Welcome in, everybody. It's a new year, but it's the same old Chicago Cubs. Good uh, Lord. This is, this is not a rebuild. Uh, I lost track of the episode numbers ages ago. Not even going to try that. But we've got the whole gang here. Our resolution is to keep podcasting no matter how much Jed Hoyer tries to depress us with the lack hey. of action. And so all four of us are here. That said, I'm really just opening up the microphone and uh, we're going to let we're gonna let DJ do most of the DJ. talking. I think he's got some. Let's things hear it. Let's DJ's hear it, dude. Do we have to start with this? We should start on <laughs> we it. Well, we're gonna get into it. DJ. I find okay, that if usually... I don't start with it, you say, "Oh, we'll get to it," and then you don't get to it. You by the, okay, by so, the time okay. it Normally... comes time for you to rant, you've you've softened. Don't you soften. soften. You span. Hit well, him. <laughs> I, well, I feel like this is gonna be a a slap the Cubs or slap Judd episode. <laughs> And you know when you when you sit somebody down and you want to talk to them about their performance, you do the compliment sandwich, right? You 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 say, okay, that you are so great at this, but I think you need to work on this. But man, you are so great at this. <laughs> There's no compliments to give Judd or the Cubs, so just beat their ass, DJ. Let's hear it. Come on, smack them, beat them, smack them, crack them, just, em, crack just slap them around like an ugly stepchild. Well, I think the real problem is the only news we have to report on is that we signed a new player development person. Mm -hmm. And the last time we came to you, we talked about a backup catcher who mm. I don't think would help with much player development. But if anything, <laughs> that might be the only thing he can provide. Uh, not his own development, other people's development, hopefully. Um, and then before that, the other news was another player development person mm. uh, by means of a new manager policing an organization that I thought was funny. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, the poverty franchise, uh, Wrigley North. Um, always funny to me. I, I love my Brewer fan friends, but they just have no money. Uh, it's becoming less and less funny realizing we also no longer have any money. Um, and we've decided that we will just hire one executive and then promise him what I imagine is future compensation for developing stars, paying them very little today and just saying, listen, we're not getting anybody else, but just develop the guys we have. And I think what we're going to see is that Patrick Wisdom, Todd's favorite player, is going to keep playing way more than he should unless we do something which which would maybe involve, listen, I don't know, uh, just illegal things around Scott Boris. I, we have to do something to make a movement here. Um, and and in, in my experience, Scott Boris is not someone who likes to work with the Chicago Cubs. So why are we holding out hope that we're bringing on Bellinger again and just not doing anything else at all? So all we're saying is, listen, we got a new manager. We hired Jorge Alfaro. I like to say hired because I think he's more of a coach than a player. And then we brought on a player development expert. Um, and we're just going to say, gosh, let's try to get those players we have to play better. Because we're not going to, heaven forbid, we you know, trade players of organizational depth to bring on major league talent like Pete Alonso. Um, we're just not going to do it. We're going to refuse to do it. And we're going to probably expand the bonus pool for executives and just keep <laughs> making those rich people richer, which I don't appreciate. Well, there um, you go. This has been a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I agree, man. They don't, they, they don't, they're not doing anything. They're just, and uh, maybe that's the plan. And I, think it's a terrible plan because I, I had the I had a thought about my favorite uh player uh Patrick what is it Ian Cashel. Ian, Cashel. Ian Cashel yeah uh wisdom 
that they've that they're planning to use him. I mean, I you know I thought that when they signed him to way too freaking much money, more than Shohei. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, okay, but still, maybe um, this year. When they signed him, I thought it was okay. They're you know I could almost almost be okay with it. He's going to be a backup. He's going to pinch it. They're planning to put this dude at either first or third, aren't they? Right now, well, it better. Do they have a choice? They don't have a choice right now. They can bring in Mervert, which is great. I, no, I don't want him. I don't want him on the team. I, I don't want him playing double A. You know what bothers me too, is that Cubs fans are just, you know, all over Twitter complaining about how we've done nothing, and then you'll get some Cubs fans who think they're just better than all of us, and they'll say things like. Oh man, since we didn't sign anybody, we can't sign anybody for the rest of the offseason. Well, guess what? Have you ever tried to do an auction draft when you didn't spend money in the first half hour? Most of the good players are gone. So when you start spending your dollars when other people don't have dollars, you're just bringing on talent that is much poorer than all of the other talent. Wow. That was just acquired. And I am not here for that. We didn't even leave wisdom in that in that pool for somebody else to take. We signed him early. Had to get him <laughs> signed in early because you know we got to lock down that dude and his 195 strikeouts per year, or I'm sorry per month. Did you guys see the though the um, he went to drive lines this winter, so 50 home run season incoming, right? But he went to drive line, and when you go to drive line, it's that you know basically a baseball laboratory they are going to take a lot of measurements of your movements and help you retrain them and make adjustments uh one thing they're doing this winter is tweeting out videos of guys uh evaluation days and really what that means is you get about 90 seconds of just fairly quick cut together uh video of these dudes in their underwear and so Patrick Wisdom, he's making the Cubs money, man, because, you know, he he's popular with a certain segment of the fan base on a basis that is very consistent with having videos of him in his underwear mm. up there. You Whitney Houston. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, they, they didn't they didn't think to put Whitney Houston as the bed for the video. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Wisdom's at driveline mm. and they've got you know, those things attached to like his shoulders and stuff. And he's almost naked. So I assume he's going to be a lot better next year. There it is. Says there's something anyway, there's some hope, but what Mm -hmm. about the kids? What have we got? The kids, they're coming up. They're (laughs) rising. They are rising like Feni, Phoenixes, Feni, Feni. I don't know. Tom, Tom, by the way, dear (laughs) listeners, not Peni. (laughs) Well, that's we're back to the Patrick wisdom video. Back to the other. I don't give a crap at this point. God dang it. Uh, Tom, dear listeners, is our resident optimist at this moment. Oh, for you Cubs fans who are frustrated by the inaction and worried that they've missed too many opportunities already, DJ and Dad are your voices. Tom is the one who <laughs> does believe, whether more is coming or not, that uh, the twenty twenty four Cubs are are going to be improved. Uh, you need these development think, guys coming in, these these yeah. recent hires, because of all the talent that's beneath us. And we've been terrible at developing that talent. And now we've got the guys. And we're going to see something. We're, PCA. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to see some of these kids, some of these this young pitching. I can't open this thing. Some of this young pitching, it's – it's. Uh, I think we're going to win more games in 80 and 24 than in 23. I'm talking 2024 than 2023. Uh, yeah. 1924 and 2020. <laughs> I don't know how we did in 1923. Yeah, me neither. Just because of Craig Council? I mean, what have we done? Well, uh, those, there are added wins there. There's got to be a few added wins. So say Suzuki is, is going to be. He was there last year. Yeah, but look what he did when he, <laughs> he got injured a couple times and he came back. And he had a monster two months. Cody right? Bellinger. He's going to start training with Jorge Alfaro, or what? Maybe. Well, we're going to need Bellinger too. By the way, we're going to no, need we him to sign. Him. I think he'll sign. Now, I didn't know this that uh, Boros was anti-Cub. I guess I missed the memo on that one. Yeah. I... How many? How many Boros guys have we had in the last twenty years? Well, uh, 
Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, and the fact well, that that went sour is what happened with Chris Bryant, though. I mean, we drafted him. We yeah. didn't go out and get him. Oh, right. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. I don't think we would have been able to go out and get him if that were the case. Yeah. And then I, he went somewhere else. Didn't come back to us. How many free agent Boris signings? Can he blackball a team? Is that can we do some sort of legal action? He's really uh, not. I mean, what it comes down to is so they signed Cody Bellinger last winter. So there's one. But obviously that's a short term deal. It's a different thing. Yeah. Boris he likes to do thing. Boris has a favorite move in free agency, which is maybe get the front office involved or maybe run into a wall there. But he likes the fit of this player for that team, either uh, based on the team's the roster needs or the player has maybe said that's where I'd like to go. But obviously I need to get a bunch of money to be willing to do it. However, that works. He goes around the front office and talks to the owner. That's what Scott Boris does best. The Cubs don't let him do that. The Ricketts won't talk to him. Um, so he, when he runs into a wall with Jed Hoyer, it's a wall. It's a no going around this brick yeah. wall. And that's why he has not dealt with the Cubs a lot for the last handful of years. That and the fact that for a good number of those years, the Cubs kind of just weren't spending very much. Um, oh, and they're spending a lot now. So that maybe that's yeah. easy. Thankfully, that's changed. It also costs a lot. <laughs> well, okay, but a good I'm not example is Jed Hoyer's talking to Scott Boris. It might just be Carter at this point. Uh, <sighs> they definitely talk and i i don't think there's enmity there it's really just they don't we hear all the time right the leaks or the or the reporters characterize jed as very sort of value focused he wants to get his guy but he wants to get it on terms that are that he considers friendly you know same thing when he's doing trade negotiations that can be tough for the other party and it's especially tough when it's scott boris because he doesn't believe in letting a GM, you know, make a comfortable deal. He wants to stretch them to their puke point, basically. Um, I think okay. then Judd must have no gag reflex because <laughs> he pukes. You know, I, I, I want $85 in, in meal money per day. <clears throat> he can't handle anything. He's not doing anything. Yeah. I mean, OK, so more stuff has happened. Since last we talked to you, listeners, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is a Blue Jay. Uh, Lucas Giolito is a Red Sox. The Red Sox then traded Chris Sale to Atlanta. Uh, things are are moving. Uh, the Reds signed Frankie Montas for $16 million after he pitched one inning last year. One. Um, so the market's starting to move, but a lot of the Cubs' primary targets many of whom are Boris clients, are still out there. So we still really don't know that the Cubs aren't going to spend. We just know that they haven't yet. And again, I think a lot of that doesn't have so much to do with Boris as with Hoyer. Um, but I don't know. It, it is There is an issue with Scott Boris clients and the Cubs because look back at last winter. Boris represented Xander Bogarts and... Uh, Carlos Correa, who the Cubs end up signing, Dansby Swanson. That's not because they don't like Scott Boris or he doesn't like them, but it is because Boris is very good at getting into a discussion with ownership or or talking to the front office on a level that goes beyond what the front office is originally comfortable with to find the the fit for the need that he has to to get his player a payday that doesn't line up with how Hoyer does business. So he found $260 million for Xander Bogarts, which he was never going to get from the Cubs. He found three different, very lucrative deals for Carlos Correa, uh, only one of which was yeah. something Hoyer would ever have entertained. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's. I think the Cubs would love to sign guys who are really good and not Scott Boris clients when they have the opportunity. Uh, but I don't think they have an aversion to Boris exactly. It's just that the matchup between the two styles of, 
of negotiation isn't ideal. Right? We're about to find out because in the next two weeks, he's got four or five huge dollar clients who are going to start to, they'll either sign or at least will get a lot more clarity on their market. So at that point, we can revisit this, but that's how I feel at the moment. I don't know. Feels feels like it's getting late. I mean, this this time last year, uh, they had already signed Swansby, and I whined about that, but he turned out to be pretty good. Um, I think they had already signed Bellinger by now. If I mm -hmm. remember right. I just read something about that not that long ago, and we have done absolutely nothing. Uh, made a big splash with the manager, which is great, um, but the manager can't doesn't play, and he's in. What we're what do we have eighty three wins uh, mm -hmm, last year, yes. so if he means five more wins, that still didn't win the division. So, yeah. Um, well, from and, and this is again, it's just being an old Cub fan. It's the same old crap that's been with every owner and every uh, GM and every president of baseball operate whatever the hell you want to call these people they do the same old crap every time when they do nothing just just enough to keep us buying tickets and buying hats and buying shirts but not enough to consistently win uh they they it was a perfect storm in 2015 you got Schwarber and all these people coming in everybody's coming in at once and this is going to be great these guys are going to be great for years and years and years and we won a World Series, which was wonderful. And it it took a monkey off my back. I watched my father and grandfather both live and die uh, without a Cubs uh, World Series win. Wow. Um, and they won. So it got the monkey off my back. And, you know, but now what, guys? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, at you the know, moment, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. <laughs> 100%. Uh, by the way, just I looked it up. Would you believe that the 1923 Cubs also won exactly 83 games? Is that right? <laughs> so 154 like game over. schedule back then. But yeah, right. Yeah. 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 What did the, the, what the 1916 19, Cubs do? What they do the year season. after that, Matt? The 1924 Cubs went 81, 72, and 1. Oh, so, here it goes. Yeah. We're yeah, going to have a tie. There's going to be a tie in there this year. And I bet those Even though that's possible. Thought, I bet they thought, if we re-sign Cody Ballinger this next year, <laughs> we're going to win more games this year. Uh-huh. It, it was Ebenezer Bellinger back then, but yeah. <laughs> but it was Ray Boris that they couldn't get through. <laughs> yeah, damn it. It was actually still Scott Boris. He's he's <laughs> been alive since before he's professional baseball was invented. <laughs> yeah. He was Shakespeare's agent back in the day. Wow. Evil never dies. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right that by this time last year, they'd made a bunch of moves. Also, by this time last year, I think the number was 40 of the top 50 free agents of that offseason, according to MLB trade rumors, had signed. This year, it's like 16. So the whole market is moving that much slower. Not just slower, but less than half pace of last year. Last year was a very fast-moving market. This one is much slower. So there's still time. There's still talent out there. Well, uh, who, who that is left out there would you guys want to see the Cubs sign? Like, DJ Reese Hoskins. Oh, Reese Hoskins. I had a Bellinger. And we should trade for Pete Alonso. You want both Hoskins Bellinger. and Alonso? Yeah, really of course. We should put, yeah, we should put uh, Chris Sale in our bullpen. Um, how does how does it go, Todd? <laughs> we should bring yeah. Tom Glavin out of retirement and make him our closer. Exactly. We should always get more talent. That's how I feel, and I don't. I don't know why that... more about this young talent that's going to come up. Because I don't those know why sound that's like not pieces the... that can get us major league talent. Shouldn't that be everybody's mantra? We <clears throat> should always be getting better. That's the Dodgers mantra. That yeah. was Theo Epstein's famous line. Uh, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. The league's yeah. catching up to you and passing you. So 
I mean, all uh, so far that we have done is subtract talent because uh, Bellinger is not signed. He's not a Cub right now. So we lost Bellinger, our biggest hitter, and we've replaced him with what appears to be full-time Patrick, oh my God, wisdom. By the way, by the way, this is, I don't mean to take us off topic, but uh, I was playing MLB The Show 23 with one of, this is not a rebuild's most dedicated listeners, Sarkin Trueblood. <laughs> and uh, I was, I think he was playing as the Cubs. Yeah, he was playing as the Cubs and Wisdom came to the plate. Uh-oh. And and video game Boog starts telling the story of his middle name. I freaked out. Wow. <laughs> no way. It was no way. Yeah. He he had a whole breakdown on Ian being the the Irish form of John and then Cashel was named was the name of the village that they were from in Ireland and I just like screaming and running around the room it was fantastic <laughs> and then he struck out those video games they got the details right it was a ground out to shortstop that he had so and he also homered in that game so just so you guys know still has power video game Patrick Wisdom has mm-hmm. lots of power mm-hmm. yeah yeah, he does. In video game, Patrick Wisdom probably hits 320. But I mean, real life, Patrick Wisdom hits 197 if he's lucky. Is that what he hit last year? I, didn't I don't know. Up. I don't know. I hope. I'm I too think... busy looking at the free agent list and getting depressed. Oh, Todd, the list. Talk to us. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you really want to know? Because, again, still... Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer on the first baseman list. We're getting for nothing. Keep it moving. I'm kidding. God, there's just nobody worth crap because we didn't go out and do anything. Well, there were this class was never that deep, especially on the position player side. There are still a bunch of pitchers out there who are interesting. Uh, it is January 1st. We're recording this on New Year's night. And uh, Shota Imanaga has 10 days to sign with some team. So we're going to hear about that one very soon. Uh, I don't even think he wants to go up to his deadline because unlike Yamamoto, he's 30 years old already. If it gets to two days before a, a deadline to sign with someone, his leverage is gone. The leverage is on the side of the teams at that point. So in the next seven days, maybe in the next five, we're going to hear where Shota Imanaga is playing next year. That would be a huge signing for the Cubs rotation. If they don't get him, they can pivot to Jordan Montgomery. They can pivot to uh, probably not Blake Snell. You know, that one's we've talked about Snell and the pluses and minuses of him, but there are still some interesting pitchers. Snell and Montgomery are both forest clients. So that's yeah. Snell. Montgomery, Bellinger, and Matt Chapman, all Scott Boris. So if you want to get any of those guys, you've got to play ball with Scott. That's one way. It's not it's far from the only way, but it's one way that he wins every winter, right? You can't just shut him down because he represents a lot of the market. One guy he doesn't represent, by the way, and I've been thinking about this lately, is Josh Hader. I don't know how you guys all feel about that one, but he came into the winter wanting as much or more than Edwin Diaz got the biggest, the richest deal in closer history, which he got last winter. He signed that deal last November, five years, 102 million. And some of it was just Steve Cohen, who has more money than God decided, I want to keep my guy and threw the money at him before free agency even officially opened. I think here on January 1st, Josh Hader, who is not represented by Boris, so it's not, you know, Scott Boris likes to slow play, slow play the market. Other agents aren't as comfortable doing so. The fact that Hader's still out there, I bet he's going to end up signing for maybe four years and 80. Maybe it's more like five years and 85 million. But that's starting to come down into a territory that's more plausible, more, more theoretically uh, palatable. Jettable. What did Jettable. you say? Jettable. Jettable. 
It's a word now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Uh so what do you guys think of Hater as you'd probably be he'd have to be like a co-headliner for the offseason overall. You wouldn't want him to be your top acquisition, but that could be a nice one uh, if the market's a little weaker than he had hoped, which is where what I think is happening at this point. I've never liked the guy, um, but he can pitch. So uh, yeah, if we, he... if we get him, does Julian still stay? Yes. <laughs> You're not getting rid of Julian Merriweather. He was good. He was good. (laughs) He was good. Uh, Unlike Ian Merriweather wisdom, he was not good. Now, you saw him on his worst game, though, Todd. One of his worst games. So Yeah. And? (laughs) Well, you know. Literally, like, the nader of his time with the Cubs was a game we happened to attend in person, and Dad just cannot forgive him for it. It's – it. Okay, but it's not like he was like the rest of the year was wonderful. He strikes out more than blind people. <laughs> well, that's because blind people don't get as many plate appearances. I mean, yeah. a blind person any. in yeah. 500 plate appearances would strike out way more than Patrick Wisdom. I don't know. Especially against Josh Hader. Prove it. Yeah, no. Josh Hader. Oof. That I, would be, I would be very happy with that. I'd I don't like him as a person, but we've already kind of sold our soul for for Chapman, and we have oh. to bear that. We have to bear that cross. So yeah. Uh, oh what's, no, that's another cross, right? I I suppose it's one way bad, of looking at news. it. What's their bad news? Looking at this list, is um, Ricky Nolasco on your list, Todd? Because throw that out. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, uh, our backup center fielder signed a minor league deal with the angels jake marisnik rap so yeah. i don't know what we're gonna do now however will we recover <sighs> well i mean it, it was probably too much for jed to sign anyway that was minus two wins above replacement so actually we're two games better off now so <laughs> no he was good he was all right he was also surprisingly a scott boris client <laughs> <Surprisingly>. <laughs> You know, I, I am. I, I I will. One positive I'll throw out there is that I am. I am encouraged. I, I'm not encouraged by his play when he was there, but I'm. I'm excited. I guess about PCA. I'm. I'm with Tom on this. I think he's got good potential, and I think good things are going to happen. Um, I just am worried about going into the season after coming off what should be, you know, a pretty, pretty. We should be feeling some momentum coming off of 2023 and going in with a lesser uh, roster than 2020 when we ended up with in 2023. That's my yeah. concern. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I, I don't want to act like there isn't a risk of that. I just sent you guys again the, the latest updated fan graphs projections still have the Cubs 22nd in the league and projected record or oh, something God. that made um, me so angry <laughs> and not fan graphs mad at the cubs yeah yeah i mean the projections are right as things stand i still feel strangely certain that important moves are going to be made it's just you know, it's it's going to be uncomfortable until at least one of them happens, and really until a couple of them do. Yeah. And because it is a couple that are needed, because they need to turn over five or six spots on this roster, probably. Uh, waiting until January is suboptimal because now you're you're going to have to move in a little bit of a hurry, or you might get cornered on a, one or two of the moves that you really wanted to make and not be able to make them. Uh. And then you go into the season needing to lean more on PCA or even on Mike Talkman or Jorge right. Alfaro, God forbid, than you. Might <laughs> yeah, the guy we signed to be a backup minor league catcher is not going to be starting in center field. <laughs> or DH. Remember yeah. when Luis Torrens was a DH for the Cubs for a couple oh. of games in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> 
DJ remembers apparently. Yeah, DJ is in no mood for Luis Torrens talk. <laughs> None. We have yeah. to be past those days, though. That's 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 my point. We have to be long past those days if we've been in this not a rebuild for this long. We can't just. I mean, is it is it even a rebuild if we're just we've gotten back to middle the pack and that's good enough for a while to me that's not a rebuild that's just you know fill the stadium a little bit make some money yeah. gosh don't spend too much money yeah so at what point do we say to our th- millions and millions of listeners stop buying tickets stop buying shirts stop buying hats <laughs> because we 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 have we can move the needle on this yeah oh, stop yeah, giving the sure. the the Cubs who won't spend money, stop giving them money. We're just the giving just them money. <laughs> well, yeah. at some point, they're going to be like, well, we're going to have to do something. Like, somebody call days. Shohei. <laughs> I agree with you. Also, when do you guys want to go this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got to start mapping that out. Uh, uh, we can't just go to a, a, a uh, uh, what do we call it, an alternate site. And uh, go see him. We did that a couple years well, ago. We got a Sox game. Sox game. Comiskey. Yeah, yeah. In Nashville, and I know they still get money, but it's not directly into their tight pocket. Yeah, I, I, I do want to say because I think we get hung up on things like oh, Luis Torrens was playing for this team, and so is Trey Mancini, and and there's some legitimacy to that because the Cubs were built on too many of those guys. They needed too many of them to do too much. And the guys they had slotted into the important spots in the lineup were stretched thin. We've talked about that before too, that Ian Happ as your fourth best player, awesome. Ian Happ as your second best player, kind of a problem because he's just not, he shouldn't be that guy, right? The Dodgers last year, I remember listening to a game in April in which Jason Hayward started and batted maybe fifth for them. And then pinch hitting in the late innings was Trace Thompson, who just this winter became a minor league free agent and signed a minor league deal to go back to the White Sox again, I think. I mean, and that's the Dodgers. The Dodgers are exactly who we want the Cubs to become, right? So it's not just do you have these guys who in a vacuum suck that you occasionally have to turn to and will be written even to into important spots in your lineup a couple of times it's much more like all right you have those guys but are you making up for it with either superstars who are actually superstars instead of the you know a rough facsimile of one like Ian have or is your depth so good that you only need those guys to do exactly what they're good at and then you get them the heck off the field and you put in the guy who's good at the next thing that you need done. Uh, maybe that's PCA is your defensive replacement for Mike Talkman. And then in the middle of the game, when there's a left-handed pitcher on the mound and you don't want either of them up, that's the only time that Patrick wisdom makes an appearance, that kind of thing. And that's where having counsel here instead of David Ross could really help. Wow. Maybe he's going to be much better at targeting those opportunities and getting Mark Leiter Jr. better rest so that he still has his splitter for the last two months of the season. And you attack only the things that guys are are good at, or you do better in-season development to figure out what guys are good at and make them better at the things they're bad at. I know that's frustrating. They have to yeah. do that too, is my point. They, ha- they have they- to get better players, and they have to get better things out of the players they already have than David Ross and his staff were doing last year. So it it is good that they're making these coaching additions, these player development changes. They just keep doing that because that's what good organizations do. But yeah, now, now it's time. Now from here until spring training opens, which is only like six weeks. Yeah. Ted Hoyer's got to go out and cash in everything he's built around council by adding more actual talent for him to work with. 
yeah, maybe it's maybe it's council's fault. Maybe he's saying, you know, that roster you guys had last year, I could win with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, he really might be. He's the, one thing about council is he came from a front office role down to the Brewers dugout to be their manager. And he would sit in on R and D meetings. And he's already done that since joining the Cubs, too. He's a he's a nerd who just happened to also be a former ball player. Uh, it doesn't mean he wants to moneyball everything. I don't think he does. I think if he did, he wouldn't have left the Brewers for the Cubs. He's doing this partly because the Cubs paid him a bunch of money the Brewers weren't willing to match. Yeah. But partly also because he knows he'll get more talent to play with here. I don't Will think he? he cares that much whether that talent is superstar free agents or not, though. Like, he might be just as happy turning Cade Horton into a two-time Cy Young winner. Uh, That's uncomfortable great. for us, but that might be what Craig Council actually likes better. Uh, then we turn, don't tell don't tell me stuff like that. <laughs> happy New Year, guys. Yeah. So we have to wait for Matt Shaw to come up and we won't be good until next year? I know. I still, again, I, I keep saying things that seem to conflict with each other. I guess I'm going <laughs> in circles a little. I still think they're going to make significant additions to this roster. I'm just saying maybe the reason that there hasn't been a ton of urgency to do it already is that I also think Craig Council is fine with, yeah, uh, I will slot Matt Shaw in once we give him another 300 plate appearances in the high minors, or I will, you know, that brutal 0 for 19 that Pete Crow Armstrong had because David Ross didn't know what the heck to do with him. Uh, I will get him to be a solid number six hitter who's also winning a gold glove as a rookie this year right away. So don't worry about adding anyone better than Mike Talkman to round out the outfield. You just, you know, he might be saying to Hoyer and the rest of the front office, you can cut the last thing on your to-do list right off. That's my job. I'm going to make that thing not your problem. So then just do better with the top three things on your to-do list. Now, they haven't done any of the things on the to-do list yet, so it's still a problem. But I do think yeah. they're going to make those additions. The urgency to do it might not be there just because I don't think council is applying that the way a lot of people assumed signing him would in November. If they sign no significant free agents or make a trade before the season starts, obviously we can't predict you know, mid-season trades or where we would be at. Just the fact that we have Craig Council and these players playing together another year, where are we at? We're 70, 78 wins, 74 wins. I mean, Bellinger's a big part of why we won some games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can add five whatever you, number you add for council, you're going to subtract twice that by by not not only losing Bellinger, but not adding to Bellinger because mm-hmm. it's just... <laughs> uh, no, I'm just curious what you think. I, losing uh, Bellinger, losing Stroman. I also don't... Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to suddenly be <clears throat> bad, but I don't think Justin Steele ever has Steel. quite that good again. Yeah, he might come down to earth. He's... Yeah. ERA plus of 150. I don't know if he's going to hit that again for a whole season. So I they absolutely have to make additions. And if they yeah. don't, it's it's a huge mistake. Um, but like I've said before, uh, the best uh, prediction of future success is looking at your past actions and they just don't do they don't do this stuff they don't go out and say hey we're gonna we're gonna add 15 wins to this team we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do we're gonna do the things that everyone 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 thinks we need to do we need to add a pitcher we need to add or either bring Ballinger back or add two bats we're gonna go do that and they're not doing it and you know if they've got some somebody hiding in the minors that can do this great let's do it but i just don't 
see that. They don't do that stuff. So now that now that we've gotten that off our chest, now do we listen? <laughs> How do we turn this into what we usually do, Todd, where we say, well, but if Justin Steele pitches the same <laughs> as he did last year or better, yeah. and Keegan Thompson figures it out and becomes an ace, yeah. and Wisdom cuts down on his strikeouts, and Horner has 10 more homers, and Dansby is that much more comfortable, uh, all those guys at the back of our bullpen, like Matt's boy Merriweather, take that additional step, and and we we now have something. Then are we fun? That seems like a uh, lot. Of Todd's least favorite game, right there. Yeah, that is my <laughs> least favorite game. Uh, yeah, boy, if we could just do this, we'd be okay. I like uh-huh. that list, though. I I think a lot of those. The answer might be yeah. I mean, don't you guys feel like Dansby Swanson? I feel like the season he just had, he's going to have a better one before the mm-hmm. end of his Cubs tenure. Not maybe a yeah. lot better, but I think he'll have a better season than that one in the next six years. That felt like a base year. Yeah. yeah. Just kind yeah. of an average, even maybe even slightly down just because of some of the stuff that he had to deal with. Um, I think say a Suzuki, Tom, you mentioned it. The last two months that we saw from Saya, he doesn't have to do that again. If he's uh, halfway between that and what he was in the first half, we're still really happy with his full season production. And that would change the contours of the lineup quite a bit. Um, there's there's upside for sure. I also think, I think one thing that people have overlooked a lot that I want to highlight more at Northside Baseball this week, actually, Nico, through the first half, we all liked the speed and the defense. The offense was pretty uneven. From like July 1st on, I'll have to double check when it, when the end point I set was. But over his last 350 plate appearances, something like that, he had a 385 OBP. If Nico Horner's getting on base that much at the top of the lineup, that's a whole different team. And it doesn't have to be Cody Bellinger driving him in at that point. I think Matt Mervis can rack up some RBIs. If Nico's getting on 38% of the time and then stealing bases the way he did this past year, that would get exciting in a hurry. It's just right now it feels like too many of those things have to be chained together to work out for the season to go the way we all think it should. Yeah, we got to have all those ifs that DJ just listed plus Nobody gets hurt. Nobody spends any time yeah. any doing anything else. They, they, everybody's got to have career years, and it uh, just doesn't happen. And that seems to be what they're planning for. Who led the Cubs in war last year? I think it was there. either Nico or Dansby. Yes, Nico. Yeah. Really? And then Dansby was second. Yeah. I think Dansby had kind of a um, – offensively, he had kind of a – not great year. I mean, his bad average is pretty low, and thus his on base percentage was too. And what he hit 20 home runs. Did he hit 20 home runs? I think he did. I think he did, but just barely, right? So I'd definitely like to see him do better. And I think he can. You know, at the same time, I want to not have to bat him whatever it was. It was a decent amount of batting him second, some even fourth kind of in the middle of the season. I'd love to bat him fifth or sixth every day. But that takes two more bats than they right. have right now, which <laughs> having gotten to January without adding any feels tenuous. Maybe if you're going to add Mervert, Mervert, Mervis full time. Yeah, look, at, it's easy to see. It was very easy to see at the end of the year how Ross just completely failed to do anything with Canario, or yeah, right? It's much easier to forget that he really didn't give much of a fair shake to Mervis. And right. for a much longer stretch of the year, he was carrying Miguel Amaya on the roster and doing almost nothing with him. Uh, I would bet that Craig thinks he can get a lot more out of Miguel Amaya 
than mm. David Ross just did. He'll have to. That's one place where, again, we talk about the, the push and pull. You guys remember how good Jan Gomes was, especially like in the clutch last year? Yeah. He'd come up and single or double every time you needed one with a runner yep. on base, late innings. That's not going to happen again because that's not who Jan Gomes is and because Jan Gomes is like 36. He's a year older. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're going to need it. But I do think they're going to get a bunch more out of Amaya this year. So that's another place where things could sort of take off. It's just... And uneasy it's just, feeling while we wait. It is see. because it's it seems to be those ifs. Well, if if Omaya Omaya does well, and if Mervert does well, and if you know, then I if do, if if. One thing that I think they accomplished last year that can be easy to to talk past is going into last year there was no certainty in the bullpen, right? None, and it took a full three plus months to establish any. Going into yeah, this year. True. True. We we'd love to see them reinforce that bullpen more, but there is already like they don't have to spend the first two months completely experimenting. Azalai's the closer at this moment. Merriweather, lighter, even Palencia and Quas, Brendan Little. <clears throat> These, we don't have to think that that's like a super bullpen, right? It's not, but there's a lot more clarity there that Craig doesn't have to mix and match and try a bunch of things the way Ross had to until midsummer before he landed on something that worked. So that's going to have value too, because they blew a lot of games early in the year because Ross didn't know who we could turn to. Hmm. So we'll see. I have a random cup for you guys. Do you want to? Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's end this on a high note. Those are, those are more fun than talking about Judd. (laughs) This is a two year cub from 2006 and 2007. Oh, good okay. news. Okay. That's fun. DJ's happy. Yeah. He was thank a sw- you. He was a switch hitting outfielder who came up with the Cubs, although he'd originally signed, I think, with the Mets. He'd been drafted and signed by the Mets, and the Cubs got him on waivers. Only played those two years, totaled 148 games as a Cub, 348 plate appearances, batted 255. 306, 415. And then the Cubs would trade him away. What'd you say? Outfield. Left handed outfielders. Angel, Angel Pagan. Angel Pagan. Right. You got it? Oh, wow. Wow. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> See? 2024 is your year. It's it's off to a place. Wow, you get the first one of the year, DJ. I was going yeah. to PA on you, yeah. but it wouldn't have worked. So, wow. That was a good one, though. He was fun, and we definitely kind of gave up on him pretty quick. Oh, he had a good career after he left the Cubs. Yes. Uh, ended up signing, I think, like a four-year, $40 million deal at, when he got to the end of his team control. That deal sort of blew up on the Giants. But he was on the Giants' 2012 World Series winning good. roster. Uh was still on the Giants, actually was on the Giants team the Cubs beat in the 2016 NLDS, too. Mm-hmm. So I sorry, I guys. mostly sorry, remember guys. his Cubs tenure. He, he was a, a good and interesting player even when he was on the Cubs, but Lou just didn't trust him at all, which mm-hmm. is, I think, part of why they went and got Fukudome the following winter. And, you know, uh, I remember Lou was playing DeRosa in right field a bunch in 07 because he just yeah. was not going to play. Angel Pagan was not going to do it. Huh. Uh, he had Jock Jones playing center field and like at age 32. That was how much he was not going to play Angel Pagan. Wow. But Pagan was the reason for the turnaround of the Cubs season in one way. Do you guys remember why? No. They're playing the Braves June 2nd. Angel Pagan's birthday, by the way, uh, 2007. And the previous day, Barrett and Zambrano had had their fist fight in the dugout that spilled over into the clubhouse. The vibes are terrible. The Cubs are floundering. <laughs> They're a disaster. And Angel Pagan breaks for third base, and he gets thrown out. And it was a close play, but he was out. But Lou didn't care. He can't, he comes out, and that's the, the famous shot of, him reflected in the glasses of Mark Wagner, oh, yeah, he's like right. half loose oh, size, yeah. <laughs> hitting and screaming and spiking his hat. 
And that was the vibe change of that entire season. From that point uh, on, they had the best record in the National League and uh, won the division. So uh, thank God for a young Angel Pagan's uh, reckless base running, I guess. Because Well, that was that was quick, DJ. I didn't even get a chance to hear his number. I don't remember what number it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like... Uh, 20... 20... I'm going to say 24. No. Yeah, I want to say like 24. Seven? Seven? He had a Maisian nope. number, I thought. 26. He had a good number. It wasn't some crap number, like 37 or something. <laughs> Pictures. It was, in, in one sense, actually a lot like 37. But 29. Really? Gosh, 20 is like a 24. And I don't know numbers like Todd does. Yep. Huh. So... Angel Pagan, that's our Cub of the Week. Anyone have anything else they want to share? Should we wrap this first one of the year? Let's wrap it. We can wrap, wrap it. Wrap well, it. This, is, this is not a rebuild. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Growing steadily, so keep telling your friends about us. Uh, you can find my work on northsidebaseball.com as well as other places, but that's the one for Cubs fans and hope you're checking that out already. Uh we will do an emergency podcast if Jed Hoyer makes a big emergency. enough move. If, Jed, if I know a, you're listening. Yeah. If it's a parade of small reliever signings or they bring back Trey Mancini for that second year they agreed to in the first oh, place, <laughs> we will just wait and talk to you next week. And DJ is furious again. So that's a good, <laughs> a good sign that it's time to sign off. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Bye, boys.